Um, in September, we we launch our spring sewing um, month, and it's um, I guess the the opportunity with the new weather um, and with um, spring and all the new flowers come up in spring. Um, it's the time for us to sow seeds, and um, we just spend the time in September to sow seeds in different projects um, and things like that. <laughs> um, so during this year, um, our spring sowing project, um, this year we decided to sow seeds into our neighbours. And uh, you might be joining us for the first time um, because one of our um, family has invited you. And if that's the case, welcome. My name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. Super grateful to have you here. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about um, some really big themes. Um, so tonight we're talking about truth. Um, tomorrow we're talking. Uh, next week we're talking about spirituality, and then finally we're going to talk about peace. Um, but as I do, um, and, and as we do at the beginning of any new series, I ask my wife to come and pray, and she has already come up here. But I'm going to invite her again to come and just pray over our series as well. Let's pray, uh, Father God. We lift up this new series into your hands, um, and above. Uh, all things. We just want you to be honoured and we want you to be glorified and we want you to be made famous. Lord, as we, um, yeah, as we just go into spring sowing, I pray that um, you would just sow um, good things, good truths, um, your peace and uh, greater understanding um, into our lives and that we would be able to share that with those around us. God, that the gospel um, really, um, it it, it demands a response from us to share um, and to really go out there and um, share the good news because real good news needs to be shared. Um, so I pray that you would stir a greater desire in us um, to share the things that we have um, and that, Lord, your voice would be just loud and clear through this um, season um, and that you would really um, yeah, bring about a fruitful season um, that is honouring to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, tonight we start with um, this question of truth um, and we begin by asking another question, what is the Bible? Um, for those that don't go to church or are new to the church scene, um, the Bible is a very central part of the Christian faith. And so today, um, we're going to kind of do a little bit of, um, you know, a flyover the Bible, um, kind of Bible 101 um, for you. Um, and um, yeah, hopefully just a little bit more understanding about our Christian faith. Um, and feel free to ask questions in the chat. Feel free to ask questions to your friends. Feel free to reach out to us and ask us questions because we'd love to continue to have dialogue um, with you. So let's begin. What is the Bible? The word Bible comes from the Latin and Greek words that literally mean book, right? I know sometimes, you know, we think that, you know, it's going to be some supernatural, you know, super dramatic word. It just means book, right? And that's what the Bible is, a book. Uh, To be more specific, it's a collection of 66 different books that have been put together to create the Bible. And there is a split 
are in two main sections, and we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that word testament just means a statement of belief. So the old statement of belief and the new statement of belief. Uh, Within these 66 books of the Bible that make up the Bible, there are multiple genres and themes that are talked about. Um, in the Bible. So you've got history, you've got poetry, you've got prophecy, which is uh, things of the future, you've got biographies in the Gospels, and you've got letters that were written to um, churches. So second question, who wrote the Bible? Uh, the Bible is written by over 40 different human authors that contributed over a period of about 1,500 years. Now, that's really important for, for you to understand. It, it's someone, someone didn't sit down and write the Bible in sort of one year, but 40 different authors over 1,500 years wrote and recollected and, 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 and put these words together that we know is the Bible. But it wasn't just the, the authors, the human authors themselves. What we believe in our faith is that each of these authors were used by God, or the term would be inspired by God, to write what they did. So the answer to who wrote the Bible is, is actually God through the inspiring of human authors. I remember when I went to Bible college, um, that was the question, who wrote the Bible? Uh, and the answer, you know, they, they said, did God write the Bible or did, did man write the Bible? And the answer was yes. <laughs> yes, both. God wrote the Bible through human authors. Uh, some fun facts about the Bible. The Bible is the number one most sold book in all of history. Number one in all of history. It outsold the hungry caterpillar, Spot, Harry Potter. What's another famous book? The Gruffalo, the Gruffalo right? And the and the yeah, I got these the 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 worship team and the multimedia team are here. You can't see them, but just imagine a bunch of clowns just sitting here, just cracking jokes. Um, it's the number one most sold book in all of history. Also, the Bible is the number one most translated book in all history. Uh, this is a funny one. The Bible is also number one in the most stolen book in all of history. And uh, most likely out of hotel rooms because, you know, there's a Bible in hotel rooms and, you know. Um, Over a 100 million copies of the Bible are sold each year. This book, it, it breaks every record that we know around books. So what's the Bible about? Okay, The Bible is a story of God. The central message and theme of the Bible is God's big plan of salvation, his way of saving people from their sin and spiritual death through repentance and faith. In the Old Testament, the concept of salvation is rooted in Israel's deliverance from Egypt in the book of Exodus. Now, some of you may know that story. Um, Moses, um, who who takes out um, the people of God, 
Uh, there have been a few movies made about that recently. I don't know what the movies are called. Noah. Wrong. That's, once again, just imagine the clowns in the room at the moment. They're, I don't know what they ate this morning. Um, Kings of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. No, what's the other one? Kings. Kings of Persia. Prince of Persia. I think we're getting confused at the moment. Okay. Um, so the Old Testament talks about salvation through that idea of being saved out of Egypt, but the New Testament reveals the source of our eternal salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus, believers are saved from God's punishment of sin and its consequences of eternal death. Now, something that I want to... Uh, a lot of people have questions around the message of the Bible and you know how come it's you know what's in there and what's not in there. But one of the things that really amazed me while studying the Bible was the unity of the message. Um, think about it, right? 40 different authors over 1,500 years, right? 40 different authors over 1,500 years who did not know each other and yet the message from all of their writings put together actually have one linear line. That's impossible. They say the chances of that, right? The chances of that is you taking your mobile phone, throwing it up into the air, all the atoms splitting in certain directions, and then coming back together, and you're holding a chair. Okay? It's near impossible, right? 40 people, they don't even have the same opinion around what the best McDonald's burger is, let alone the message of God. And yet, what we see in the Bible even though 40 different authors over 1,500 years, that the message, the unity of the message is one. And I found that really amazing around the Bible. In the Bible, God reveals himself to us. We learn about God. We learn about who he is, his character, um, his attributes. Not only that, the Bible tells us how we should live our lives like a guidebook of survival on earth. As I said, there are millions of books that have been produced in the history of humanity, but there is one book that has stood out. There has been one book that has been both enforced and banned by governments. The Bible is the most debated, most respected, most hated, and most loved book in the world. There is not a single book that has been talked more about in the history of man. And that's what the Bible is. It gets put in its own special category. And there is no other book that comes even close. So what is so special about the Bible? And we're going to let the Bible speak for itself. There are four things that the Bible says that it is. Number one, it's the living word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 reads, All scripture, which is another word for the Bible, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There, there, there aren't many books that claim this. Actually, I don't think there's any book that makes this claim that the book in itself and the words are the breath of God, are God-breathed, are God's words. 
And I want you to just take a moment to think about this, right? Right? Because this is what the, the, the Bible says that it is. If this is the truth, if, if this is the truth, I want you to just pause and really think about it. If this is the truth, that the creator of the universe gives us his words and his story through the Bible, giving us the pathway to salvation from eternal death. If this is the truth, then what the Bible becomes, it actually goes beyond just a book. But it's the living word of God. Not only is it the word of God, but it is the living word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is active and, uh, sorry, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Uh, This is also what makes uh, the Bible different from any historic book because there is no other book that we would actually define as being alive and active. Um, What that means is it means that the Bible is relevant to us today and it was relevant to those that lived a thousand years ago. It speaks to me as a 38-year-old, but also speaks to my father as a 70-year-old, but also speaks to my son, a teenager, the 14-year-old. There is no other book that is living and can speak directly into the lives of people from all different walks of life and all generations. The Bible speaks to all people all the time. And that's why we don't just study bits and pieces of the Bible, but we need to understand the whole Bible because it's the whole Bible that is the Word of God. And I think sometimes we, especially those who do go to church, we like to stick with the pieces of Scripture that are nice, uh, a little bit more easier to understand. But if we truly believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then we've got to um, really respect and honor the whole thing even the bits that are harder. The whole Bible is God-breathed and can speak to us in whatever situation that we are in. No other book can do this. It's the living word of God. Number two, it's the source of truth. Now, we live in an era, I think, postmodernism, and then that moves into relativism. Relativism. I practiced it, I promise. Relativism means that truth is whatever you declare to be true. Whatever you think is the truth, that's the truth. And doesn't matter what other people think, that's relative, right? If you think that that is true, that is then truth. Now, what it's ultimately saying is that there is no such thing as absolute truth. There is no set ruler or marker of absolute truth. And whatever is true to you is the truth. And that's the, that's the world that we live in. You want to identify as 
a female, then you be a female. You want to identify as an animal? That's truth. That's the world that we live in. Ironically, the idea of relativism is, is funny because even to say that everything is relative, what they're actually trying to put forward is an absolute statement. So it kind of doesn't make sense. But that's the world we live in. We live in a world where we're scared to talk about what is absolute truth. We're scared to offend people to say, look, we think that this is the truth. And we're more concerned about uh, the, the feelings of other people and not offending other people. But the Bible will tell us that it is the truth. And not just a relative truth for those believers who believe in the Bible, but it is absolute truth. And it's the source of truth in our lives. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord, which is another word for the Bible, is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, the, the statement of faith, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 119, 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is the truth. And this is what the Bible claims to be, absolute truth. This is why when we gather as a church, when we speak to Christians, they will always talk about the Bible. All of our teachings in the church, all of our discussions that we get into, and all of our the greatest authority that we have in the church comes from the Bible and not ourselves. Because we believe that the, the Bible is absolute truth. Right? Trust me, if you were listening to what I had to say about life and my opinion, and I was pressing that upon you and saying, look, that's the truth. Right? You would be in a really bad place. The Bible is our source of truth. Thirdly, it's the handbook to life. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The Bible is a handbook in the way that we should live our lives on this planet. Why? Because it contains God's will for our lives, God's plan for our lives. How would we know how to live, where to go without such a roadmap or a guide? The Bible helps us discern what is right and wrong. It also it becomes this moral compass for us. Now, some people believe, and you might be one of these people, that people are born moral meaning that we are born with an internal moral compass that we know basically what is right and what is wrong. Uh, I'm just going to say it, that's incorrect, right? If you have kids, you'll know this for sure. If you let kids decipher what is right and wrong, if you let them decide what is right and wrong, your house is going to be absolutely a mess, right? Because we aren't born with a moral compass. We're not born good, right? We have to be taught this. If we let individuals determine what is right and wrong and live accordingly, the result would be a billion different 
pathways of morality or, or different billion um, views of what is right and wrong. And if we all try to live that way, then it's just going to be absolutely anarchy. It's going to be chaos. The Bible gives to us moral principles on how we should live, how we should suffer, and what we should live for. Now, I think us in the West, we take this for granted. We take things like murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, adultery is wrong, right? We've grown up in that, but you've got to remember in the West, a lot of our laws, a lot of our beliefs come from the Bible. Australia at one time uh, was a Christian nation. And so a lot of the laws come out of that and we take that for granted. But I promise you, it's not like that in other places in this world. But the Bible provides that uh, handbook in the way that we should, how we should live in our, in our lives. In saying that, it doesn't always speak very specifically about your specific situation. For example, it's not going to give you the name of the person you should marry or the suburb that you should live in, or the kind of car you should buy, or the kind of job you should pursue. But there's a lot of wisdom and guiding principles in the Bible that when you think about that and you apply those things, they can help you to make good decisions. They can help you and guide you in times of choice. But I would say that the Bible speaks on all major topics that are relevant to us. And it's the ultimate handbook to our lives. Finally, (coughs) excuse me, it's the story of our past, present and future. Where did you come from? What are you meant to be doing? What's your future look like? The Bible gives to us clarity on what that story is, our past, our present, and where we are heading. A map may be able to show you how to get from point A to point B, but how do we get to God? What map shows us the path to heaven? And what I would say is that that map is the Bible. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible gives us a picture of our broken past, a framework on how we're meant to live our current lives and a destination for our future. It's amazing how we're so interested in our ancestry. We're so interested in the traits of our character and we look back. We're so interested in our current surroundings about what the hottest trends are, where to invest, what's going on in the world. And we're also so consumed about what the future is going to look like. And what I'm telling you is that the Bible actually shows us these things. The Bible actually shows us what your past was like and why you are the way you are. What your present is like, those struggles and tensions and anxieties that you go through. But also shows you what your future looks like. And that future isn't just on this earth and it's not just in this lifetime. But the Bible tells us that we have a life after death, eternity, and how to get there. The Bible gives us this wonderful story.
It's not our story, it's God's story, but it shows us where we fit in that story. The one thing that we need to understand about the Bible is this, it's not just a book. It's not just, you know, pages and ink on it. But it's the living word of God. It's the source of absolute truth. It's the ultimate handbook in this journey called life. And it's a story of our past, present, and future. That's what the Bible tells us that it is. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the Bible tells you that it is. And it also doesn't matter what I tell you what the Bible is. Because the most important question is, what do you think the Bible is? What is the Bible to you? If you consider the Bible to be a book of history, then what you'll get is a bunch of facts. If you consider the Bible to be a self-help book, then you may live a better life. If you consider the Bible to be a book just purely on morality, then you may make better choices. But if you consider the Bible to be the living word of God, then it will transform your life here and your eternity. For those who are not Christian that are joining us, I want to ask you this. What if the Bible is actually true? What Have you ever considered that? Right? If what the Bible says is actually true, what would that change for you? What if everything that the Bible said was the truth? That, that God created the heavens and the earth. Not, it's not evolution. It's not the Big Bang. It's not some random cosmic explosion. But God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And that God is the origin of all creation. That man rebelled and separated himself from God and, and led humanity towards an eternal separation from him called hell. That God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for man's rebellion. And through that death, to bridge back to God the creator. That whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. What if that's true? Like, we're not talking about one or two people that believe this to be true. We're, we're talking about billions of people that actually consider the Bible to be the living, active Word of God. So for those that are new, that's all I would ask today. Would you consider, would you consider and think about this, what if the Bible is true? And you know what? We would love to continue this conversation with you. I know at the moment it feels like it's a one-way conversation, but we would love to have a dialogue. We would love to, to hear more about what you have to say 
Uh, we'd love to answer any questions. We'd love to have a discussion and just a conversation for anyone that wants to have this. So please, please reach out to us. Speak to the friend that invited you tonight. Uh, you know, there, there are so many people that would love to just have these conversations with you. So please reach out to us because it's a very important question. Because if it is true, then everything will change. Everything in your life will change. That's how powerful the Bible is. So would you consider that? For the believer, for those that are part of our church, for the Christians that are joining us from around the world, and I, I, I can now, like honestly, I can hand on heart say around the world, we, we ha- our global audience is growing. I think we doubled in the last you know few weeks from like, you know, two to four or something like that, you know, two to four million or something like that. I don't know what it is at the moment. I think the question is very simple to you tonight as well. Do you really believe the Bible to be the living word of God? Do you believe that? Because I would put it to you that A lot of us try to believe that. A lot of us want to believe that. But actually, many of us struggle to believe that. And it's not like if I ask you, the answer you give me. That's not what I'm asking. It's if I look at your life and if I look at your schedule, I can see where the place of the Bible fits in your life. I promise you the reason why the the Bible is not more priority in your life is because deep down inside you still struggle to believe that it is the living and active word of God. You know, the reason why the Bible gets left over time in your schedule and not the first is because deep down inside, it's just not that important. Right? Like, I think I'm very logical. I think I'm a very logical person. If it's important, it gets your time, it gets your heart, and it gets your money. Right? If it's important. Right? There's a guy at our church, I'm not going to name names, recently started dating. Whole life has changed. Priorities have changed. Right? And suddenly, what is important gets his time, gets his money, and gets his heart. Right? Because that's priority. But does the scripture get that same priority in your life? And, and, and I would say, probably not. Because if you really believed that the Bible was not just a book with paper and ink, but if you really believed that it was the living word of God, if you really believed that it was the source of absolute truth, if you really believed that it was the ultimate handbook for this life, and if it was really the story of your past, present, and future, 
you would give it more of your time and more of your heart. You would know what to do with your worries and cares. Your perspective in your life would change even in a pandemic. Right? You would know how to deal with your earthly treasures. You would know what's important and what's not important. But sadly, even we as Christians who say that the highest form of authority is the the Scriptures, we're so quick to look elsewhere for information, for direction, for advice and guidance. Isn't that the truth? We treat the Bible as the last resort when we go through crisis in our lives, right? The Bible is not the first place we go to. Even though if you just think about what we just said it was, that it is the living and active word of God, that God speaks through his word We are quicker to go to financial advisors, to counsellors, the news, Google, Facebook. And then when we can't find any of that, or when when we realise that that's all empty, we go, okay, let's go to the Bible. And it's there. And that's the issue. It's It's not that the Bible is boring. It's not that the Bible, we don't understand it. It's not that. That's not the issue. The issue is that the Bible does not have the priority that it, that it demands. And it's because we, we do not believe in the bottom of our house that this is the living and active word of God. We all want God. I get this all the time. Pastor, what does God want for me in my life? Great question. What is God's plan for me in my life? Great question. Have you asked him? Have you read the scriptures? That's what he's saying. He's, oh, it's such a long book. I don't even know where to start. We'll start at the beginning. And just as you, as you make your way through, I'm sure something will come up. And that's the thing. We're so, we're so quick to find advice from everywhere else but not where we should be. And that's not because the word of God is not the truth, but it's because we struggle to believe and act that out in our lives. So it's a challenge for you believers. You need to ask yourself, what do you consider the Bible to be? A chore? A daily uh, religious routine? Tick. Did my, did my reading today? Tick. Or do you really believe it to be the source of life and truth? The highest form of guidance, the highest form of authority in your life. And what we're saying is live consistently. Don't say something and do another, but know what you say translates into your life. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And I pray that you would believe this tonight. All Scripture, all Scripture, even the hard parts, even the Old Testament, even Leviticus, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is the living word of God. And I pray that it would be alive in you today. Let's pray.